G'day everyone, this is Rita Join and welcome to the Unbox Your Gift podcast, how to turn a passion into a profession. My guest today started his whole journey, started his business by entering competitions. Today I've got with me Adam Amos, who founded a company called Robotic Systems, an engineering consultancy. The consultancy creates electronic software and hardware to solve some of the most challenging problems in mining and agriculture, and it all started from entering robotic competitions. Adam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rita. It's great to be here. Well, it's wonderful to have you here. Now, I'm very excited to, because we were just before this, we pressed record on this interview, you were getting into telling me your story. But now, before we do get into that completely, can you share with us so that the audience knows that they can connect with you and relate to you? Give me a failure that you've experienced in your work. Right, so get me to the start. I, I was really involved in robotics competitions um, throughout university, um, but I didn't want to be part of the university's teams because I, I didn't really um, didn't really move at the pace I wanted to move at. And so I would kind of enter these competitions on my own and, and get really really stuck into them um, on my own back. Um, and it was great. Really had a ball in it. And as time went on, um, these competitions actually became the reason I was getting jobs because I had something interesting to talk about to people and talk to prospective clients. Um, there was just, um, sorry. Sorry, I'll just mute that. Um, these prospective clients um, would engage with me because one of my most favorite things, I've got two things, favorite things I like to do. One is building robots. The second is talking about robots. And so as soon as I got started talking about robots, my prospective clients, since very early days, it was just me on my own, would engage with me because they could see just how much I, I cared. And it was something interesting to talk about because it's easy to talk about um, competitive robotics that sounds pretty abstract but it is when you're talking to other engineers versus actually you know some of the more dull problems that happen day to day in, in, in the engineering world so i got a bit carried away with this and i started bringing some of the competitions um, that i was doing outside of work into work <laughs> and <laughs> and so that um, because I could kind of started to see the inklings of the the original passion that got things going, then kind of having some relatively minor impact on marketing, and that kind of got me in a bit of a loop of thinking, okay, well, I've got to do more of this, I've got to do more of this, and that ended up leading me down a path where I took um, some of the commercial work into the uh, competitions world, and began wasting a lot of time at work, we should have been working on doing the passion stuff under the fallacy that we thought it was going to be, or I thought it was going to be, um, you know, some some part of some major business growth strategy. So it wasn't. Um, it was a bit. <laughs> it was a bit. It was a bit of the you know the siren leading us to the rocks, um, and the big failure ended up kind of all going bang when we kind of took some of my pr professional team as time went on. We got some good success. Had started having some team members to some robotics competitions, 
And I realized just firsthand just how um, pointless it all was because even if we won this competition, we'd still plowed so much money, so much time into doing this thing that was never gonna have any return other than maybe a cool blog post. <laughs> so there was no there was no reward of cash or any kind of trip overseas or anything like that it was just pure for the joy of creating robots for you yeah that's right so there's there are sometimes um cash rewards but the amount of money that will be on offer will typically be fractions of what it would cost to actually enter the competition mm. uh, so there's it's it's kind of like yes there is a reward is it worth it? No, uh, definitely <laughs> not from point of view. Um, only if you get really, really, really keen on you know doing it because you know by the time you add up um, just the parts required to go in, it won't even equate to whatever the, the, the cash prize typically is. So when um, you talk about robots, you're actually talking about what like what you see on TV where it's a it's a full on robot that does things for you. Is that what we're talking about? Oh, okay, yeah, sorry. So what was the, the competition was um, was to build drones. And so what we had to build was a drone that would take off from an airport in outback Queensland in Kingaroy and fly about six kilometres into the bush and autonomously search an area of bush for a simulated lost bushwalker. And when the, we found the robot found the bushwalker, so it was a small drone plane for us, mm-hmm. it would then um, drop a life-saving water or bottle, a bottle of water to the to the bushwalker and it was whoever got closest one and wow. then you know, oh, that's exciting. oh my goodness <laughs> yes it is a lot of fun um, that brings so a smile on your face right? <laughs> <laughs> that's the hook um and in and yeah that kind of went on for years it's run by the CSIRO it's called the Outback UAV Challenge it's still run today um and yeah so there's a it's a great competition um, it's open to amateur teams and essentially, so um, professional. Like the only way you can get into professional teams is basically uh, small, small incomes only. So like small energy of professional, mostly amateurs. So yeah. Anyway, that's um, that's sort of robotics competitions I'm into. Um, so so how did that then lead to you starting an engineering consultancy that solves mining and agriculture problems? Because the competition sounds, I mean, what you were entering for is, sounds different to helping solve problems for mining and agriculture. Yeah, so um, the way I got started is I was working for a small engineering consultancy down in Sydney. So straight out of uni, I was working there for two years. And I got the job there because I had something to talk about because of the robotics competitions. Um, so I got a job there. and. Um, that small engineering company was headed out of headquartered out of Melbourne, and it actually went broke two years into to me being there. And but I had developed a very strong personal following in the Sydney office, uh, which was only about was for only four people. And so when the company went broke, um, I was halfway through a lot of projects, um, and so I turned around my customers and said, "Well, you know, you're either going to be left in the lurch, or you guys want to keep going." They all said they wanted to keep going. And um, that, that essentially started me off, um, and that gave me enough work to, to keep on. And that work turned into uh, more work. And eight years on, we've got a team of eight um, here in Newcastle, um, and, and we've we've gotten into the mining space. 
um, because we found it was a lot of complementary work in the mining area around the advanced autonomous and semi-autonomous control systems that we're developing for the competitions. And so we, we, we found, us, found our way into that, um, not really intending to, but that's where we got pulled into. And it's the same deal in the agricultural space. Um, things are only getting more automated. The demand for, for higher levels of automation is, is, is basically you know, unquenchable for them. So, so do you enjoy your consultancy more than the robotics work? I mean, even though it didn't pay, even though it was just for the joy of it, I'm trying to find out which one really pulled at your heartstrings. Uh, okay, so what's, both of them I enjoy deeply and they're both actually essentially the same. And, and the reason we gravitated so heavily towards the mining agricultural work is because it so closely mirrored what we were doing in the competitions. And in a lot of ways, it was so significantly simpler than what we were doing in the competitions. So we're able to take everything we'd learned and all that passion and basically put it to somebody that had a, had a very large scale commercial application to it. So basically uh, open cut mining, underground mining and broad acre farming and just kind of went bang. So yeah, I, there's, there's nothing, isn't, uh, <laughs> There's nothing better than a fine committee work actually building these control systems and actually getting yeah. involved and actually yeah. writing the code and making it all work. <laughs> There's nothing better writing the code. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we have two different ways. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. tell me, you've said that you solve some of the most challenging problems. Can you give me a couple of examples of problems that you've solved in the consultancy? So we, yeah, so we work, so I'll give a mining example. So we um, work with a company called Oracle Mining. Um, they uh, manufacture the majority of bulk explosives for, um, for the world. And they uh, have these vehicles that mix up the explosives on mine sites and then put them in holes and then they go bang. And um, then basically the diggers can work out as part of the drilling and blasting process. And so what we develop is the electronics and software on their mobile explosives vehicles that controls all the mixing um, of, of those explosives. So if you could imagine um, a dump truck size vehicle, um, about 63 tonnes filled with all the different raw materials to make the explosives, driving around mine sites, mixing them up. Um, we write the software and, and build electronics that, that controls them. Wow. Um, so uh, that, that, that one's, we've been involved with them for, six years now, um, one of our key customers. And yeah, there's intimately involved in a couple of key areas of their business and most of their explosives flow through um, electronics and software that's written by robotic systems. Okay. So if somebody's listening to this and they're looking to start a consultancy, and I know yours specifically is an engineering consultancy, but you know, whether it's engineering, whether it's management, whatever consultancy it is, the, the process of starting it up, what did you do Adam, step one, step two, step three, to start up your consultancy, to get known, to get clients, and to be able to employ eight people eventually. So the the thing that's always come back to the common denominator is this this burning desire to 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 do this work, to build these machines. Um, that for me is the absolute first step, and and do that by whatever means you possibly can. And for me, my first step to that was literally to do it, pay essentially somebody else to let me do it. 
right <laughs> to enter the competition like it's not a there's no finance coming back the other way you're paying to be there to, to participate and that's not why i did it but there's it's it's kind of the byproduct of what i was doing because i had such a strong pull towards it and i'd say unless if you so the first step might be then to actually work out what it is that you're pulled to and it kind of relentlessly drives you to do to do that one thing and, and and go with it and do with it whatever you know find a way to exercise that somehow mm. you know regardless of everything else take the money out of it um and, and just get that going step one and then step two uh, step two and then I, th I think the next thing would be um really hone that find a way to actually get um some way to communicate that so for me, it was I was keeping an online blog of, as I was building all the machines, just basically showing everybody, you know, how I was doing it. Right. Um, because it's, to me, that's the, the 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 critical step is to be able to you can't communicate um, all the stuff that you're doing, then that you're interested in, then it, it can some ways not really translate into any further activity because you're kind of just doing it in a vacuum. Um, so. Kind of communicating then what it is you're doing um, at a level that people can engage and understand. So me talking about it, you know, talking, having these sort of conversations like we're having today, but just kind of rambling to people about robots, competitions, and and what's kind of possible, what's not possible, and how we're doing it. Um, so in, in an engaging way that, that would be engaging to somebody who's interested in your or who is willing to listen to you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. and then I think the third step was is a bit of um, bit of the good old fashioned hard work. Um, is, is actually then you know doing the legwork and you know writing the code, you know getting out there, you know participating in competitions, you know feeling the pain of it going badly <laughs> because that's just not something else to talk about. Right? And How did you get new something. clients on board, Adam? Referrals, so 100% referral-based business. Even today, um, there's if you go on our, we've never ever had a lead come through the website. Oh, you're kidding! One of the big things. <laughs> all that money on the website. Yeah, um, it's all just um, yeah, all 100% referral-based business. Um, so uh, yeah, and once we can get once we get somebody in the door, um, everybody comes back, and in a lot of cases, we're dealing with larger mining companies or larger agricultural companies, and then that kind of just internal referrals, and it just kind of keeps keeps. The, the pipeline going so well that's testament to your work the fact that you're getting referrals and it's constant and that's just you know obviously you're doing a brilliant job there in terms of like you said that the website is there that you exist but really your business comes through referrals i was i was wondering because you said you know hone your skill you had a blog to hone your skill while you were starting the consult just to get your name out to get your work out to get people to know what you do did that blog help you does it still help you gain access to clients and give you a a profile so the blog is actually only ever kept during the competitions oh. so uh, there's and the reason for us it's a little bit challenging is because for the work we do there's we're under NDAs for almost all of it um, because it's tied to um, fairly um, like in some circumstances type of shock stock market releases the technology we're building and so we can't often talk about it and so uh, the blogs for the the competitions was what got me going initially but after that after that kind of that initial hump that kind of 
got a few things going on. I basically stopped maintaining it, and the rest of it's all just been word of mouth within within professional circles. Um, and then that's got us kind of to where we are now. And that's probably the limit of where that'll go. And now it's time to go to the next um, version of Matrix, which is kind of a wider audience, you know, digital marketing sort of thing, which I'm not super cut. I you know, <laughs> used to it's very far out of my comfort zone. I've never done it before. Much more comfortable behind the computer. Um, but yeah, so but that, that's an important point, Adam, because that just leads me to my next question. I was speaking to someone yesterday who is a hypnotist and he actually, his work, he says to me, I said to him, how much marketing do you do versus doing the work of being a hypnotist? And he said, you see this glass here? It's like majority of this glass is me marketing and that little percent is of actually me being the, doing the work of, of a hypnotist. And so I wanted mm. to ask you, is that the same with you? Is that the same equation with you that, um, you know, there's more, like, obviously you get referrals and that's been great, but at the, at the, is there any part where you think there's got to be more marketing done to, to get more, more of the ability to do the work that you love? Yes. So, okay, I have two answers. Um, previously, I'd say up to the last six, six months, um, we had no marketing. Zero, nothing. It was all. I was doing the work. I just, I, my day nine, like from, you know, six a.m. to two thirty p.m. Writing software, um, and then you know, building stuff, and that, that was it. So nothing. So, so probably the opposite of the hypnotist. Um, <laughs> then, uh, recently, I've kind of realised. Well, that's the end of. Like, I can do that, and I'll, I'll do that forever, and that's going to be basically the, the, the ceiling of the whole the whole thing. So now I actually don't do any software and I do exclusively working on um, working on essentially getting us out there and, and being the sales and marketing guy and and, and um, you know, not even really kind of too focused within the business. Um, one of the general managers are to focus on running the team and I'm looking and I'm outward facing now. So now I'm hunt, I've gone the other way yeah. where I'm pretty much um, coming out of my comfort zone entirely, which is, you know, right you know, being an engineer yeah. and now getting retrained essentially in, getting, um, <laughs> in you know, leading this, you know, leading the team and, um, and essentially getting our message out there and, and working on the business. So that's, that's really exceptional because, um, and that, I know our listeners would want to know something like, how are you retraining yourself to get acquainted with sales and marketing? Because someone might think, you know, I love what I do, but, just like you, you know, you're, you've been in the passion for so long, but now you've got to let people know that you've got this passion and you can help them with it. How are you retraining yourself so that someone who's listening can actually, you know, even if it's reading a book or reading a blog or just making phone calls, like what is it that you're doing? I'd say there's, for us, if you're, we've got a couple of answers. If you are very early days, um, you're not got much money or whatever, start reading, start consuming information. There's a, there's a wealth of information out there of different um, different people writing um, really quality pieces of information out there that'll help refine your thinking and, and just even doing simple things um, to to help you balance out what you're doing and, and show you what to do um, because there's no shame in not knowing what to do. Me, I knew I was very far gone, and this is so far out of my comfort zone. I knew I needed you know professional help, <laughs> so um, you know engaging in consultants. To help you, um, for me, it's game changer. It really kind of just um, it shortcuts the process because you can sit there and learn over however long um, it is to take 
you know, through trial and error, essentially, to work out what's going to work, what's not going to work, and you will get there eventually. Um, but if you want to go a bit faster, get a consultant and get, I'd say there's different types of consultants for different periods. You know, you don't, if, you, if you're really kind of just coming out of that early stages of learning on the internet, you know, you don't need to go and get a really expensive consultant because you're probably not going to get the most out of it. You need probably an earlier stage one, maybe a group thing, maybe some sort of local area kind of meetup, something like that. Mm. And that'll kind of get you to the next stage. And then after that, be another, you know, you'll be, you know, have some more money. Then maybe you get a more specialized consultant and then you can kind of go, there's no limit, right? You can, you know, of how much you can do. But I, I would I would say it's definitely strong, strong return I've seen in, in having, um, having professional helpers because, you know, I, I get trained, you know, I, I get my guys trained in how to write software or how to use different types of machines, you know, I need to be trained in actually how to do this job that I've never done before, so. Okay, fantastic. All right, that's a great answer. Thank you for that. And so now that you're putting on the sales and marketing hat, I see it behind you now, is that a home office that you've got behind you or is that an actual, it's in Newcastle, so it's actually an office space, right? Yeah, so we've got um, a workshop and uh, offices attached here. So we're in the meeting room, uh, which has been now turned into, since coronavirus is now kind of the, the, the webinar slash studio room. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because most of our customers are major companies, so they don't, their policies are stating that there's not going to be any, you know, going to sites is, is not really a thing. And, and to be honest, you you don't really need to so there's we can communicate very effectively and in a lot of ways better um over the internet mm. than we ever could but it took the coronavirus yeah. to force everybody out of there you know yeah. yes yes 100 percent, 100 percent. so do you think with your consultancy adam do you think it would, it would be worth for even your employees to work from home or are your employees like me that need human energy to be able to be productive? Like, what? How does that work for you? Like working within your your team. Um, so, if you asked me before coronavirus, could you run the business work from home? I said absolutely not. It's not possible. Can't it be done? Mm. And <laughs> I've totally had my thinking changed. Um, so we had a big shake up. You know, I, I sent everybody home. Um, the day Boris Johnson closed the UK, I thought, well, that's going to be it. You know, we're, we're going to get closed as well, so we may as well just do it. Um, and I said to everybody, guys, we, got, we have to make this work. You know, it's going to be months. So we went, we all went home and it was actually a godsend because it, it, it shook up the routine and broke habits that I never thought would be able to break. It broke them immediately by just getting out of the space and forcing people to, to actually think what... You know, how, how have we been working? Is this the best way? Because I'd inherited a lot of the way we worked from my original first job when I was first out of uni for that engineering consultant, very similar sort of business. And I realised that that was actually old hat then, the way they were working, and probably a major contributor as to why they went for it because of that way. So I took out and threw that all in the bin and we went back to the drawing board and we came up with our, a new way of working. And, um, and, and yeah, it, it worked. It's worked really well. So can you share um, that new way of working? How has it changed? How does it make things different? Um, so essentially, what, one of the key problems we had is we have all this information in everybody's head that basically rattles around how we build machines and how we do stuff. Yeah. And so what we did, we sat down and we wrote out um, a process that we all go through. And this took um, basically the whole of Corona to do it. It's still ongoing. 
to write out the method of how to do this with all four of us writing at the same time. And he wrote down a series of simple steps, simple steps, um, <laughs> that we can take our customers through on a journey of how we actually build machines so we can actually demonstrate the value of what it is we are, we are doing. Because a lot of the times we'll solve a problem and the customer will just see, you know, the end result, right? Just, you know, see, see the mouse or something and be like, okay, that's the result. And that's what they don't see is all the decisions that have gone into that point. Mm, mm. <laughs> and, so, and so what I wanted to, and that's like a very big problem for us because people will only ever pay for the value they can understand. And so we set out with the goal of making people understand what it is we're actually doing in, 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 in such a clear format that, you know, at whatever level they are in their business, like their customer business and the mining companies, they could fully get the machine we were building. And in some situations, machines are so complicated that they will get payments. Um, and we, we still have to be able to explain to them why is they're paying mm. for that. Yeah. So by, by getting out of our space with coronavirus and forcing us to communicate differently over the internet, it, it gave us a completely new lease on life. And um, yeah, it's, a, it's, it, it's, been, it's been a total eye-opener for me. That, that's brilliant. I mean, it, like you said, it has been a godsend in many ways because it has forced uh, those of us who thought it cannot be done that way. We cannot work from home. That's just what's not going to happen. Yes. But, and then it, what's the saying? That um, um, necessity is the mother of invention. Like once it happens, it's like you got, you got no choice. You just got no choice. So what's the easiest thing about running a consultancy and what's the hardest thing about running a consultancy? Okay, so the, I think the, like I'll start with the hardest one. So for me, the hardest thing is, um, uh, I find, the, I guess, probably the, the, the people aspect of it in the sense that you have to, um, and by people, I mean, like that whole aspect of like explaining ideas to people so that everybody can um, understand, because like, everybody's going to learn in different ways. So some people are very visual, some people are very, um, you know, wordy. Mm. Uh, how can we explain a very complicated, abstract new idea um, to everybody? I found that the most challenging thing to be able to do. But also at the same time, once, once you start to get that right, it becomes the clearest, simplest thing you know you've ever done at the same time. So um, it, I'd say it's kind of the the easiest and hardest thing simultaneously is is communicating ideas to right. different people. Do you think that oh, that's also because and I and I'm just asking this generally, so there's no stereotype here. Is that because you guys are engineers and you think a certain way and it's very it's different to what someone who is say a public speaker or a natural born mm. it's just yeah. I, yes i often describe it as um we're a group of engineers trying to communicate with humans yeah and it just uh sometimes um uh, i always have this uh, test with my wife i ask her you know i explain something to her and she just looks at me like i've just you know spoken in swahili or something it's yes, just this, yeah. you know, a very exciting thing to me that is the best thing ever but it's pretty much i might as well just gone <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yell something yeah. incoherently yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It's good that you know that. It's good. Like that's such such great self awareness. That's so good. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So, if you could go back, and if you could, because you started off working for a consultancy, and then you want, built one for for yourself. Is it easier to work for someone else doing your passion? Like in your opinion, is it easier to work for someone else working on your passion or is it better working for yourself and working on your passion? It's, uh, I guess it depends what you're trying to achieve. So there is, a, I find a lot, of, a lot of stress in trying to do the work and then, you know, keep everybody else going so that they can do the work. Um, I find that quite stressful. Um, so, if you are, if you were trying to achieve some some impact, whatever it is, I would say pick whichever one is going to give you the most impact. Mm. Like I've got a friend who's an extremely good engineer, and he works at Amazon. So the impact he can have in that job mm. is so much more mm. than what. It could have as running a small business. Yeah. So, whereas the, the other way is kind of true for me. Whereas I'm, I know what the limits of my consultancy business is. Right? We're a small business. You know, we solve these problems, and you know, we're going, we're, we're going to be basically a lifestyle business. That's what we're shooting for. And so that for me is very satisfying to get to that point. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think the answer is going to be very different for for everybody and what they're specifically trying to achieve and what impact they're going to go for. Um, because there can be, if you, I think if you got into either one of those situations and you don't want that, you're probably going to go into pain pretty quickly and, you, and you'll, know, you'll know it yourself that you're not keen on it. Um, so, because yeah, there's, there's definitely benefits in, in both. Wow. That's a fantastic answer. It really depends on, it wasn't a blanket answer. It was specifically to what's the impact you want to have and where is that impact can be made, whether working for yourself or yeah. something else. That's beautiful. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for your time, Adam. You've just been wonderful. It's a thank you for making it simple for us humans to understand. And you did such a brilliant job of communicating the ins and outs of the consultancy that you have and how something as really like as competitions can really ignite that passion in you and that you've brought it out, you've cultivated that and brought it into your own world and making your own impact. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. No worries. Thank you so much for having me, Rita. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening. And we'll catch you on the very next episode of Unbox Your Gift.